Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, zip up your leather pants, slap on the clown paint, and don't forget to eat something light as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis episode... I've never done an episode number. Why did I try to do that? A show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove, and joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Hey there. I forgot to say, we had one more question on that last episode, and I didn't get to it. Oh. It was, um, what's the scariest monster? But maybe we can talk about that a little later. the scariest monster? Oh, my. Yeah, the scariest you know, you brought up at the end of the last episode, iTunes reviews. Mm-hmm. We, we've got a new... A hot one. A new, yeah, a new high or low, Uh-oh. depending on your point of view. Oh, good. So I wanted to make sure this was fairly recent. I don't know how it got past me, but this is from May 24th. Wow. These goofballs... <laughs> yes! ...spend 45 minutes of every episode <laughs> talking goofballs. about living in their mom's basement. Yep. And one of the dudes needs to get a new mic. It sounds that's, like he's talking into a pillow as muffled as it is. That part's true. Knucklehead. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to figure out. We're still we're still unaware of what is causing our, these microphone issues because it's weird. We fix it every week. It sounds great right now. And then I get into the edit and it immediately does it again. So I don't know if I, the problem is I spent so much money on Mark's new mic that I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to just throw this mic out because I spent all this money on this dumb mic. Um, but I, I am a goofball and I do live in my mom's basement. And I am a knucklehead. Yeah. And Mark so also there's... lives in his mom's basement. <laughs> yep. So this guy nailed it right out of the gate. It's... I feel seen. Oh boy! Can you imagine <laughs> leaving that review? Um, we got we had a uh, an email come in from uh, Justin Mosher. Is this? I can't remember. This gets into like some deeper. I don't know. I almost feel like this might be a better. Should we do this for an episode? Yeah, let's do a standalone. Okay. That. All right. Because it could easily become that. It looks like it. Okay. So Justin, we'll get to your we'll get to your email on an upcoming show. And uh, we gotta we gotta be knuckleheads here for a minute. Yeah. Um, so what was the scary thing? There's one about being scared. Being said, scared. There's one more question. Oh, he was asking to... what the scariest monster is. Oh, just in general. I think. Let me grab it what again. Is... <laughs> what What's the scariest creature you have heard of, and why? Oh, that's a little more. Wow. Yeah. Creature. And why? And why? Um. I, I would say skin, skinwalker stories are pretty creepy to me. Yeah. Um, especially because I'm, I'm like working my way through Ruguru. I find that How the- How you become one? Yeah, that's yeah. what the, the mythology surrounding skinwalkers is pretty creepy. And some of it does seem to be pretty old. Like Ruguru, 
um, there's an origin legend for the Ruguru that, that we get into pretty much at the beginning of the movie. And for a long time, I was convinced that this origin story was just nonsense. Like it was something that some, somebody had made up. And then I, I mean, it, it might not be reality, but there is a, a basis, um, a historical basis for the legend of the Ruguru that I don't know if a lot of people are aware of, but has native American roots and it was pretty cool. And we were able to verify those roots. So, yeah. Um, so I'm going Skinwalker. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say like the five dog man gang that Linda Godfrey has that story about the couple that's alone at home and their, their bedrooms on the second floor and they look out and there's like five dog men approaching their house hmm. all at once menacing them. Uh, that would, that'd be pretty terrifying. The thing I've always wondered is how does that story resolve? It never seems to get to the end. Like, Obviously, they survived in order to tell the story. Yeah, I know the one you're talking yeah. about. I think they show yeah. up outside the house at night, right? Yeah, like the secluded cabin type place, and mm-hmm. they see him approaching and like coming right up onto the porch. That that's pretty scary. Yeah, and, um, and usually in general, you know, the dogmen seem to. It's not as if they're indifferent to you being there. They there there's typically a, a threat that's implied, right? Fresno Nightcrawler is the runner-up. <laughs> <laughs> or Dobby uh, the... Yeah, Dobby the... the yeah. Um, okay, so I, we just got back from filming uh, On the Trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman, a movie that has been on our docket since early 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we announced the poster. We announced the movie during the Kickstarter for last year's project, which is going to be weird because when we finish it, those backers get it, not the 2021 backers. Some, yeah. of, some of them, there's crossover, obviously, but right. it's just going to be a strange project because it's been in, in the works for so long. We didn't get to make it, obviously, last year because Chicago was kind of at the mid in the middle yeah. of, of a lot of the lockdown stuff going on, and we had to be careful uh, traveling too much, and, and especially into Chicago. Uh, it would have been next impossible to get like witnesses and stuff to mm-hmm. talk to us. So, um, not quite not like the Adirondacks, right? No, <laughs> no, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Although we did, you know, um, well, we can talk about that, but I, I was, we, we only really spent maybe 15 hours, 20 hours in, uh, yeah, we spent about 22 hours in Chicago, mm-hmm. like in the city. Right. The rest of the time we were in kind of like suburban areas or areas kind of like Wadsworth, you know, like where yeah. we were a little more secluded. Uh, last day was spent in Indiana, which, we should talk about a little bit. I heard the story of in, um, Diana, Diane, Diana of the Dunes, which oh, is a cool, yeah. cool mythology, very cool legend there. Um, a lot of time, uh, not a lot of time spent driving back and forth between places. So that was kind of nice because I feel is. like the last few movies have spent a lot of time in cars. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I've got a place to start. Yeah, if you wanna. Uh, and uh, this was something that was referenced in the oh, last yeah. episode, but you said when you got there, there was a disaster right <laughs> immediately. Out of the gate. Um, what was that? All so about? we packed light for this trip because we had a small, car. I don't know if you're aware of the rental car shortage happening. No rental cars are there's um, when, when the COVID hit all the rental car places sold off their fleets. And wow. when they reordered um, their fleets, they've placed the order for more cars because of the microchip shortage, 
car or uh, rental car places are are extremely understocked on rental cars. Mm-hmm. So rental car prices have gone skyrocket. So basically, yeah. I rented a, uh, a QX80 or something. They, I couldn't even afford or think about affording a premium. Pre, we normally rent a premium SUV, which is the bigger size. We we always need that trunk space yeah. and back. We couldn't get it because it was seriously going to be like twenty seven hundred dollars or something for five days. So um, so they rented us a QX80 or an XQ80. I can't remember. It's like it's it's a full size SUV, but it did not have that much room i mean it wasn't like a huge vehicle so we um so we packed real light and we loaded everything in the car and we drive to chicago and we get into where we were staying which was shop chauffeur no see i'm confusing it schomburg that's yeah. it schomburg yeah. so we stayed in schomburg um and um we get into the airbnb it's a nice airbnb um we start unloading gear because we're gonna do um, it's, it's almost time to start shooting with, uh, Tobias and Emily. Mm-hmm. So we start getting the gear out and someone says, where's the cameras? And I'm like, they're, they, they should be in the backpack. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, they're not in the backpack. Like it's in my head immediately. Oh, I know exactly where they are. And they're sitting on the floor in the office. And so what happened is we packed everything in a backpack and, another backpack. So we had a backpack for batteries and then we had another big backpack that had all our gear. So lenses, anything extra, microphones, all that kind of stuff. So it was basically just those two bags, except we couldn't fit everything in there. So we took the two main cameras, A7S threes and put them in a hard case. And then when we packed the car, we left the hard case. Oh my gosh. And so in the office. Yeah. So I'm like, um, I didn't panic. It's weird. I was pretty calm. Yeah. I went outside and just had to think for a minute because yeah. I was like, "How do what, what do we do here?" Because we still had cameras. We yeah. had the FX3, which is a great camera. It's like it's the new A camera for us. And then we had a the A7 III, which is what Aaron was shooting with all of the the Discovery mm-hmm. trip. It's a nice camera, but it only shoots eight bit. It doesn't go up to ten bit like the new ones do, like the FX3, the A7S3s. So um, I. I basically just formulated a plan. I was like, look, we're going to, we're not running a bunch of cameras. This is actually like, I think we should rent cameras. And I'm like, we can't really afford to start running cameras out here. So we shot, um, the FX three became their, uh, Dave's camera. It was originally supposed to be mine. I was just going to film with it. And then Zach went to the a seven three. And then we had three of those Sony handy cams with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of got split up between Aaron and I, and then whenever we would have a minute, I would shoot what I could with the handy cam. Um, but that was our, our disaster. And people might be like, well, it sounds like you had a lot of cameras. The reason that becomes an issue is even though I'm on camera a lot and on the trail of, I'm shooting as much as I can. And I would say of all the shooters on STM, I tend to shoot the most B roll because other people are usually doing things like setting up lights or like getting ready for interviews or doing something. And I can just like shoot B roll. Also, Mm -hmm. I just like shooting B roll. So, so I'll go, you'll just be gone i'll just go off shooting b-roll it's like what i like to do like that that's what happened when the thing happened was i had left the group and was going off by myself to shoot b-roll around chicago questionable decision (laughs) given the city but um uh but like that's so so normally so that's the downside to it is like i don't think we got anywhere near as much b-roll as we normally Mm -hmm. would because i wasn't able to shoot as much also the other problem i realized with that is if i don't have a camera in my hand i feel useless 
Mm. Like mm. absolutely useless. Because yeah. everyone's kind of doing stuff. And I and I feel like I'm normally I have a camera so I can be doing the th- the you know like I'll be filming someone or shooting stills or whatever. And when I don't have that camera, I feel like I am not serving any kind of purpose. Mm. But we we soldiered through it. That was like what the it probably would have been better better in the last episode to tell that story just because it kind of played into that interview thing. Oh, but yeah. um, just you never have any idea what kind of obstacle or challenge you're going to run into, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's caused because of my idiocy. <laughs> Um, it's interesting to think of what that might do as far as creativity like mm-hmm. in the edit. That's, that's what I thought. Because it could end up being something, you know, one of those serendipitous Yeah, just works out well. I think it will. Um, just from going through the footage, I think it I think it will work to our benefit. And I had, actually, Dave was in here yesterday because I'm not editing that movie Dave is. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him yesterday, like, I feel like on some of our movies, the B-roll almost becomes a crutch. Because like, okay, well, this I'm going to jump out of the scene and just show a bunch of B-roll while we talk. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe in this case, use the B-roll a little more sparingly and like, you know, like uh, let it focus on the people that are on camera for mm-hmm. a little longer than normal. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, I think Dave will do something really cool with it anyway. Yeah. So um, that was the big challenge that we ran into when we got there. Um, we were fine though. Like I said, it was strange as scary as that is to hear oh we forgot the cameras in ohio um <laughs> uh, like I, I half expected you to say somebody came back and got them yeah know, when that story started out i thought about it mm-hmm. i legitimately thought like if i left at that point i could have driven home in five hours and been back there yeah. the next morning yeah. to go back to shooting but um i would have been dead the remainder right. of the shoot yeah you'd have been gone the other option would have been to rent from a lens place or a rental place, camera rental. So I started looking those up and all of them were closed or the, you had to drop the camera off on Monday morning. And Monday morning we were going to be in Indiana and on our mm-hmm. way back to Ohio from there. So there was just no option. It was like, it just came down to, let's just make this work with these cameras. And when you think about it, um, having two main cameras and then handy cams isn't that far off from what we did with like on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey. Because Alex didn't tr- start shooting with the FS7 till like the fourth day or something, mm-hmm. and then you know, like he was just kind of grabbing footage here yeah. and there. So you can make it work, and that's what we did. Um, that was probably the biggest disaster we had on the trip. We spent. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to ask specifically oh. about that? I don't know. About did the I cry? Disaster? Yeah. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> did I cry? No. <laughs> I felt like it for a minute, but like I said, it really was strange. I didn't. I was fairly calm. Yeah. Yeah. We just like went into filming with what we had. Mm -hmm. I feel like even if we had only had the handy cams, we would have tried to make it work. Mm. Like it was just that kind of situation. Right. Right. But, um, our first day was entirely with Tobias and Emily. And we did that first night we did a, um, a talk like, uh, uh, Heather and I had a talk and we filmed us talking Mm -hmm. outside of the house. The house we stayed in there in Schaumburg was pretty cool. Um, Schaumburg is like a more modern area, it looks like, kind of development. Everything that we were in a development neighborhood, so mm-hmm. a lot of the houses looked the same yeah. and stuff. But the house we were in was pretty cool. It was on the end of the street, so I'm assuming it was there longer than some of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we met up with uh, Tobias and Emily and did like a full day of interviews with them that also intersected with two witness interviews. So that was kind of interesting. Um, there's some... My stomach's growling like crazy. <laughs> uh, there's some 
facts about this case that came out that I thought were really interesting and things I I was com- just completely unaware of. And I think for a lot of people, that'll be the case. Like, and I don't know how much I want to give away who on the show. The, who brought that to light for you? Uh, I think it was interviewing Tobias and Emily. Okay. <clears throat> I'm still, I mean, I'll just straight up say, I'm still highly skeptical of the Chicago downtown stuff. Um, but I think there's, I do talk about this in the movie. I think there's three different timelines at play mm. and each timeline is, is something completely maybe separated from the others. And so what Tobias seems to be looking at is like re- looking at is, is he's taking a lot of reports from like witnesses in suburbs and outlying areas and places around like bordering Lake Michigan maybe. Mm-hmm. But those sightings to me don't necessarily have any bearing on what was going on in downtown Chicago. Mm. And so I thought that was very interesting. All the, all the stuff that we looked at with Tobias was really believable. Um, it's also the first movie where we're really getting into the, the I hesitate to call it drama, but drama that goes mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. amongst uh, paranormal researchers. Yeah. And it's just part of the story yeah. here, especially. Yeah. And it goes back and forth between both, both camps. So we interviewed Tobias and Emily together. Then we interviewed Sam Moranto and Jack Chavez, who were great, like really cool. Um, but they're both opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. So Tobias and Emily are, are very, very much, you know, um, I guess pro in the camp that this is all a real phenomenon. And then there's Jack and Sam kind of saying, no, it isn't. And in the middle are these witnesses. who, are, And I think that's an interesting dichotomy too. And then mm-hmm. Ellie <clears throat> comes in with this totally different take on it that is very folklore based that I thought was kind of cool. Basically like asking the question, does it matter what the truth is? Mm. And I thought, I thought it was very, I thought it was all, all really interesting. Um, I had a fought a lot of, uh, I was way more involved in the story than I thought I would be. Mm. Um, because coming into it, I kind of like had my mind made up about what was going on, but Interviewing Tobias and Emily and hearing witness stories kind of changes things for me because it's like these people don't really have a reason to make up the stuff that that they're claiming happened. And the biggest strike against the Chicago Mothman sightings are that there were no witnesses. Well, there are witnesses like we interviewed three. No problem. And one of them we tracked down on our own. We didn't have Tobias point us to this guy. In fact, he's friends. The guy we interviewed in Indiana is friends with Jack. So he's friends with someone on the other, in the other camp and sort of anti Chicago Mothman side. Um, So I'm, I don't buy into the fact that there are no witnesses. Now, maybe there aren't any witnesses for the Chicago downtown stuff. So that's, what's Mm. weird. And I don't, yeah, I hate to talk about this because it, it it really like some of this comes into play in the movie itself. Like we, to me, it is the perfect, um, example of how the paranormal most often does not fit into a neat box. Like you can't just sort of write everything off as hoax or misidentification or it's real or I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't work that way. And I think you've got people in both camps trying to do just that. Like mm-hmm. I think you have people on both sides saying this is all hoax or everyone saying it's, oh no, it's real. It's 100% real. And truth is, like, it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That was my read on it. Yeah. Well, and based on that, then, if you're comfortable, 
getting into this, um, what are people saying they saw, like from a description standpoint? Well, that's, I really want to talk about the MUFON stuff because uh-huh. I've got issues with it, just like I've got issues with the pro, can- like the people that say it's real versus the people that say this isn't real. And when I say this, what I'm referencing when I say this is this particular phenomenon as it relates to Chicago and Chicago land area Yeah, is what I'm referencing. Right. Um, but like from a physical standpoint, what are people it, saying? Okay. So, seen? so the biggest strike is uh, that they kept bringing up to us on the MUFON side. It was like, well, this isn't at all what was seen in Chicago. Cause the, 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 most of the sightings don't even have a one concrete description. What does that sound like to you? That sounds exactly like Point Pleasant mm-hmm. in 1966 and 67 because there wasn't one concrete description of the Mothman then either. Right. So it's a, a winged humanoid, you know, with red eyes, and then sometimes it's a huge bird, and then other times it's like a pterodactyl-looking thing. Mm-hmm. And and the the descriptions of the humanoid can be feathered or they can be like leathery bat wings mm-hmm. and it's kind of like all over the map as as far as like what people are seeing and that to me really does sound like chicago there are huge red flags relating to the the downtown chicago stuff like as far as um where the reports are originating how they're originating the fact that we don't have witness corroboration um, some of that stuff is pretty important. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're seeing, uh, uh, all it runs the gamut what they're okay. seeing. Now, when you say that, and I'm asking, cause I honestly, I yeah. don't know the answer to this question with the downtown sightings. Are there any witnesses on record? So that as, you can talk to as far no? as I know, when you talk like the Chicago itself, I think there's three. One of them saw like a praying mantis type creature, which doesn't necessarily fit into the chicago mothman stuff and then there's two others but there's tons of reports mm-hmm. you know i mean there's and there are, and and the big issue for skeptics is they're all originating from three sources and one of those sources is tobias and emily um having said that i i don't really for me having talked to them that doesn't raise any red flags mm-hmm. for me as far as them fabricating reports or whatever right um the other thing I've I've spent time with both of the with both Tobias and Emily going all the mm-hmm. way back to 2018 when we made Bray Road. Right. Was it was the first time we spent time with them? Yep. I don't. They're not hoaxing those reports. I don't. I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was your question? I I keep getting oh no caught it was up just in my the, own I, thoughts no, on the case. You answered it, which was what physically are people yeah. saying they are seeing it's, or it's that others are seeing? Running the gamut of what people are seeing. Yeah, and it's. It's not that unusual when we do right. any kind, when we've looked at anything that is a winged creature mm-hmm. case, yeah. it never, it never seems to align. And having experienced what I experienced in downtown Chicago, that last, that, that day that we were there, I kind of get it mm-hmm. because what I saw flew through the sky real fast. I couldn't tell how big, how big it was at the time. And it isn't until later when I'm able to look at the footage that I'm like, okay, Here's some distinguishing details, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And Okay. So you brought it up. Do you wanna <laughs> do you wanna we better get like the full description of this? Yeah, I I can't do I don't know how much Dave is gonna want to hold for this sh- show, but I do know that that 
the video is going to be like somehow featured in the trailer because it has to be. It's a cool video. Yeah. Um, I was outside of our hotel, which was the Congress Plaza Hotel, which turns out is the most haunted place in the state of Illinois. If you go online, look up most haunted place in the state of Illinois. It's the Congress Plaza, supposedly haunted by Al Capone, who stayed there all the time. Weirdly, Capone played into another place we stayed the next day in Porter, Indiana. He used to go to a bar in Porter all the time. Mm -hmm. We stayed at the Spring Hill Inn or something right next to this bar that Capone used to go to. There's stories about Capone all throughout Chicago. That's what we were making jokes about was like, why would he haunt this random hotel? And they were like, well, he really liked it. Well, he didn't die. There. Like what? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. His ghost went back there. He yeah. To hang. So we're so at anyway. this, uh, we're at this hotel and it was a cool That's hotel. Michigan Avenue, right? Right off Michigan. Yeah. yeah right on Michigan Magnificent Avenue. Magnificent mile. Yeah. Beautiful old building too. Just like really cool. Um, I would recommend staying there just cause it's cheap. And the rooms we got were were pretty cool. Don't stay there at the height of summer. There's no air conditioning. Um, oh, wow. And so even though we were there on cool nights, it was still boiling hot in my yeah. room at times. Yikes. Um, so we stayed in, in the Congress Plaza and super safe area. Like, I don't think there's anything going on down there as far as yeah. like crime. It seems, seems pretty safe. Really gorgeous. Like, we went down to the, we, we walked down to the lakefront. We were able to shoot back toward the hotel and like walk all around there. We're right down the road from the bean and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that same night we walked around, we got B-roll and then we went back to the hotel and everyone kind of went to hang off, hang out and I didn't feel like hanging out. So I grabbed my um, camera and I headed outside and this sequence of events is discussed in the movie. We shot a thing where we talk about this. Yeah. And all of this, by the way, I realize sounds highly suspicious. <laughs> so I leave the group and I walked out the side door, which I don't know what that road is. We were trying to figure out. It might be Dearborn. Dearborn's right there. Okay. It's, it's a side road. It's not mm-hmm. Michigan. But whatever this thing was came from Lake Michigan over Michigan Ave and over my head. So I I just walked out of the hotel and I hear flapping, which is what alerted me to something being there. I have my camera on immediately. And then to myself, I muttered, you have to be kidding me. (laughs) And I turn and it's nighttime. It's about 10 o'clock at night, maybe even later by then, because we'd already gone down to the lakefront and walked back. I'm saying it's around 10 o'clock at night. Um, There's a massive bird of some sort flies over my head low and then streaks toward the sky. And I showed you the video. Yes. When you see the video, that thing is at least 20 or 30 yards beyond the end of that building. So it got from where I was outside the building all the way down to the end of that building. And it's way up at that point. It's already gone above the buildings. Um, Very large, very, very, very large bird of some very large thing, winged thing. Yes. That I filmed. Um, yeah, the size does not make sense. I mean, the the scale of it is yeah. very large. Even if it's forced perspective mm-hmm. of some sort, it still looks unusually. It's huge. Yeah. It's a big winged thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my camera at 120 because I was outside to shoot B-roll without uh, a tripod. We're in the city and we don't have permits. <laughs> so, like, we 
it, which isn't a big deal. Right. Like no one's going to say anything. But when we're in you the city, to sort of be tourist. Right. <laughs> I, I typically just try to make it look like I'm there shooting photos yeah. or whatever. So I had my camera, but I was shooting at 120, so I didn't need the tripod, so I could keep it somewhat stable. So I was shooting at 120, which turned out to be really good. If I had been shooting at normal frame rate, it you probably wouldn't be able to slow it down enough to really get it in frame. But I was shooting at 120, so you can pretty clearly see this thing go overhead. Um, not overhead. I'm swing. I mean, that's what's so wild is like I swing and try to get it on camera. And by the time I do, it's already down streaking up into the sky. Mm. But in my head, when I replay it, I was watching it. That's something they asked me when we recorded the scene is like, were you watching the screen or were you watching the bird? And I was watching the bird yeah. <laughs> or the winged thing or right. whatever. And that's why I the, the for the first like three seconds the camera's just like fumbling mm -hmm. around through yeah. the air it's because i was trying yeah. to see what i was looking at it's your roger patterson moment yeah well except there were tons of people around mm -hmm. which is really weird because i told you no one else reacted mm -hmm. but it f was low when it came through there uh it was so low that i felt like if i had jumped up i could have grabbed it like it was that wow. low as it went overhead yeah but um that's probably just misremembering some of the details and I couldn't. It is strange that nobody else. No one else reacted. reacted whatsoever. And yet, clearly, something was there. It's on film. Yeah. It's not like a imagination or right. something. Right. Yeah. And um, we do a show called Paranormal Unexplained where we debunk yeah. or watch uh, videos like this. So it would be interesting at some point. We won't do this until after the movie's out, mm -hmm. but it'd be interesting to have Santino really take a look at that. So the thing, uh, we haven't cleaned it up professionally. Um, all I did was just so it was usable on the trip. I brightened it on my phone and added a little highlight over it. And I couldn't even, I was keyframing it on my phone where you could follow the highlight so you could see what you were looking at. But if I think if we can have someone, if even if Santino helps me denoise it, brighten it, I think we can get it way clearer than it is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, the good thing is, People will accuse us of hoaxing this, but but when you see it, I don't think you would have to be very good at doing that to hoax it because um, the camera's swinging all over the place mm -hmm. and just keeping the thing in frame would be difficult. Yeah. But um, it's a pretty crazy video just because we caught something and the way its wings move, mm -hmm. really interesting to look at. Yeah. And you just watched it on my phone. Right. So if I show it to you on a, on a big screen, mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy because that's okay. what we were able to do in Indiana, which is where we recorded it. They had this massive room with a huge screen TV, okay. and we actually were able to plug into that and show it on that oh, screen. Cool. So it's pretty... Yeah. You can see the hinge in the wings, mm -hmm. and that's the interesting thing about mm -hmm. it to me. Maybe it's the vulture. Yeah. Spider-Man. No, it could be anything. <laughs> it could be MUFON. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you brought that up because you... You've referenced MUFON a couple of times. What's what's the MUFON angle? On okay, it? so do you remember 2017, the Mothman and Point Pleasant's coming out? All those Chicago reports start popping up, mm -hmm. right? Do you remember I was accused of hoaxing them? I was accused of being behind the Chicago oh, Mothman yeah. sightings. Now I was that you mention it. asked yes. by multiple people if I was the one that was doing Planting it. Planting these stories yeah. to help sell the film. That originated with Sam. So Sam, who we interviewed for Did this he movie, to that? oh yeah, yeah, Did he, really? he was all about it. Yeah, um, Sam apparently was the one that told um, uh, other people you should be asking Seth if Seth's the one doing this. So apparently, um, there was a push, you know, that that we were 
hoaxing it as part of guerrilla marketing for the Mothman of Point Pleasant. Funny if you've watched the Mothman of Point Pleasant or really any of our movies, because I feel like our movies are so not that. Well, now I say that having just shot a video, right. <laughs> uh, but I feel like our movies aren't really that kind of stuff. Like we don't get into like your hottest video evidence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially that movie. Yeah. So I, th- right. I feel like if he had seen the movie, he wouldn't have even had that mm-hmm. impression to begin with. But yeah, apparently that really originated with um, with them, and from talking to him, it was in all of their reports and things that were flying around MUFON. Oh my goodness! Was that you know it was possible that this originated with me? <laughs> Unbelievable! And meanwhile, you had spoken at a MUFON conference yeah in ohio i don't know see that's what i don't quite get about mufon is like how connected they are one to another i'm not really sure but i'll say this yeah they're more regional aren't they i mean in (coughs) their organization they're more regional than they are so it's split off state by state yeah yeah so sam is super cool guy and um hilarious um really like old school kind of investigator like wants to know the truth and that's at least that is my okay. read on him. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact he essentially accused me of hoaxing, I have no ill feelings toward the guy. He was so likable and I respect what they're trying to do. This movie made me ask myself a lot of questions, which is not common. Like it made me like Ellie's take on things and Tobias and Emily's and Sam and Jack's like it all kind of runs counter one to another. And it's interesting to hear all those different perspectives on looking into the paranormal because mm-hmm. it made me question like some of my opinion opinions on this stuff but i liked every single person we interviewed there was no despite the fact that i feel like it's insane that i wasn't just approached by sam at some point yeah <laughs> as to like what are you hoaxing this because i would have told him no right um yeah there was a lot of they're they're just they were great interviews and i feel like jack and sam are very likable we're very likable guys um did you get into how MUFON got involved in the first place? They because it doesn't. I mean, okay, it's so not. They took the initial bag. reports, but the initial reports didn't come into this when people think they did, and that's something I am going to save for the movie because mm-hmm. that's it's not a bombshell because I think the information's out there, but it is something that's overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm saving I'm saving that. I'll so also say because someone brought it to the them. initial reports okay. were filed with them. Gotcha. Um. And there's somebody some... didn't know where to take it, or right? Okay, yeah, we can talk about some of that off. Okay, off yeah, the record. Yeah, I mean, it just it hit me as we're talking. Like, yeah, why does Mufon care? Yeah, about it came. To, they came to them first. Okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, the it's a really interesting case. I'm really excited to see it kind of play out for people. I don't know. You know, when we were like, I'm always like trying to compare. Well, what kind of movie is this? You know, like Mm -hmm. UFOs, dark sky is like a detective story in my head anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this to me is like our version of an X-Files episode. Like that's kind of what it was in my head going into the the poster. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I think I'd actually said that about X-Files to him even back then, Mm -hmm. but it played out that way in a way I don't think I was expecting it to, because normally we do that we'll say something and then that's not at all right, what we end up with. And this kind of like sure. f- still felt that way. Uh-huh. Like um, it's a very, it's going to be a very interesting movie. I'm really excited to see what Dave, I feel like handing it over to Dave is the perfect sort of handoff mm-hmm. because Dave is used to working with other 
you know, like doing the editing for other people and he's going to come at, at it with fresh eyes. Whereas I might be a little more prone to make this a more typical kind of on the trail of, mm-hmm. and I'd like to see what someone who doesn't always work on STM stuff yeah. is going to do with it. Cause I, I mean, you couldn't be handing it off to another, a better, right. You know, filmmaker. He's, he's awesome in his own right. Yeah. So it is exciting to see what he'll do with that. Yeah. And there's other stuff that went on, uh, a witness, in it, the witness in Indiana, Bob Anderson, really cool, really moving actually story, um, and I'll, I don't want to talk too much about that either because it's so it's such a little surprising witness story. That is, that, kinda, is that related to the the Diana of the Dunes? Mm, so we yeah. interviewed him near her, uh, near her Diana yeah. of the Dunes. Yeah. I'm assuming you're aware of all that, mm-hmm. having yeah been an Indiana boy, right? Mm-hmm. Indiana. I spent some time in Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Um. I wasn't aware of that, but that was a really cool story, um, which I probably can't even recite now that I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. Woman, oh, killed by her husband, right? Yes, yeah. And now she haunts the area, um, seen swimming naked occasionally. <laughs> um, but but it's strange because we went to Indiana Dunes National Park, mm-hmm. um, and they have posters and stuff in the national park that say like Diana of the Dunes and everything. Right. It's kind of cool. Yeah, They've like they embrace it. it. Yeah. Um, that area is interesting. Isn't it? I mean, that's just a such a tiny slice of the natural world. Yes. Surrounded by urban yeah. sprawl. Yeah. yeah. Well it's a miraculous thing. They've been able to preserve that. I want I definitely want to show you some of the footage at some point because like we did those talking scenes and I know during one of them it's literally Heather and I on a bridge with the Congress Plaza behind us and like the city spilling out. We shot it right downtown. Mm-hmm. We're on a bridge, they did these telephoto things was kind of like the idea this mm-hmm. time is like we're on the bridge but like the shot you're all, we were going for this like voyeur kind of like look with yeah. the the dialogue scenes mm-hmm. um but that one and then we went to another place that bob actually took us to where we were on the shores of lake michigan down right on the indiana border mm-hmm. so you've got chicago in the distance behind us yeah and that's the shot it's like we're out at this park talking to each other that's the final shot mm-hmm. and it's just such a cool dichotomy between like typical SDM mm-hmm. and that kind of like urban sprawl look mm-hmm. it's just unusual for us anything else yes. oh food you wanted yes. to mention food please tell me you had some Chicago deep dish <sighs> you're gonna you you're there. gonna punch me in the head oh, when you no. find out what where we got it <laughs> we just got Giordano's like, oh yeah well it's in the city though I mean yeah. there's a qualitative difference between Giordano's in Chicago and like one of these franchise places. So no just one is a little different. No one in our group had ever had Chicago style pizza really? other than me. And oh so they were like, goodness. Yeah. Dave was like, he said he ate three pieces just because he felt like he should. Uh-huh. And I was like, I couldn't even get through one and yeah, a half. A lot. Like <laughs> I bought two large pizzas and then like mozzarella planks and some cheesy bread. I'm used to ordering like my normal yeah. and kind of like forget what Chicago style <laughs> pizza is. Like one pizza of Chicago style is equal to like three on a normal, mm-hmm. <laughs> normal pizza. Yeah. Um, so we had Chicago style pizza. I'm trying to, you know what? We went to a place in Chicago itself mm-hmm. in Chicago proper called bar Louie, which is like a chain. I'm aware of this fact, but it was the only place that was allowing more than, uh, like 10 people in the place at a time. Yeah. So we just went there and ate. And that place was amazing. Like mm-hmm. the food was great. We had like, uh, 
all sorts of appetizers and that that was probably my favorite meal on the whole trip <laughs> but other than that we just kind of um went to a mexican place on the last night there and then the other the first night we ate chipotle so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't our usual like experiencing the local right. cuisine kind of trip yeah the downtown uh pizzeria uno is mm-hmm. really good but that's like uno is is a chain now too but yeah. but i my dad and i we used to do a show every year in in Chicago, mm-hmm. and him and I always would go to. Oh yeah, you know, yep. yeah, yeah. It's good, good stuff. That might have been where I had my first Chicago style mm-hmm. pizza, actually. But um, yeah, it was a good trip. I'm excited for people to see the movie. It's coming. This one's coming out on December seventh. So every single thing now is like laid out. Um, August third for Dark Sky. September. Now there's nothing. Yeah, September fifteenth. I th- or no, Ruguru. Yeah, Ruguru is like September fifteenth. And then uh, Discovery is November something, like seventeenth maybe, <laughs> and then uh, Lake Michigan is is uh, December seventh, and then obviously we have on the trail of Bigfoot the Journey coming out on Tuesday. So it's a busy year. Plus, at least two more episodes of Alex is Beyond the Trail, maybe three. Wow. So and and it, it's it, rolling. Huh? Maybe even more. I mean, he's shooting two when he goes out to the West Coast, and we haven't even announced that trip. But he's he's in Maine right now, yeah, filming for for the next Beyond the Trail. He already has one in the bank with the Discovery tie-in, and then he's going on this West Coast trip, which we haven't talked about anywhere. He'll be in the Bluff Creek area, and then up in Oregon with Cliff. So, and those are all for various. So that's four right there. Wow. So we might have four more episodes coming out yeah. over the course of this year. Amazing. There's a lot coming out. Plus, on the trail, hauntings, paranormal, unexplained, wild year. Yeah. We should probably say we're going to be on with Mike Ann. Yes. The end of June. Um, the, the 29th, I think. It's the last Tuesday. Yeah, I don't remember. I know we'll put it in my calendar, but. Looking forward yes, to that. Yes, it's the 29th. Yeah. Yeah. Where's my sage? Where's my sage? So, that's it. That's it. That's it. On the trail uh, of the windy city. Lake Michigan Mothman. Beautiful city. I hadn't been there in a long time. I had a very, very fond memory of playing basketball outside of the conference center that, that we did a, a book show there with. And I kind of forgot about it, but it was it's down there. I don't know if it's where McCormick Place is now, but there used to be an, an older comic, uh, comic um, conference center that we used to do a book show at every year, and I went out and played basketball yeah. one year as a, as a young child. Yeah, in my undergrad, you know, we'd take the ride the L train downtown mm-hmm. and just go to art galleries yeah. and walk around, like, the whole Magnificent Mile and all yeah. that. Yeah. Fun times. Beautiful area. Yep. All right. That does it. We're back next week. Peace. Bye-bye.